Amen. Okay, they're going to get those back to you. And let me get all this. It's like I'm a little out of place here today. How many had a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it was that good, huh? About three of you. Man, that's all you ate, huh? Okay. Just a little lethargic today. Hey, I've got a really short sermon today. No, it's not that short, but it is pretty short. <laughs> Amen. Listen to that. I tell you what, others like, man, preach longer. Others like, man, preach shorter. So, okay, whatever. Can't make anybody happy. You know, I just figured I want to please the Lord. And the church said, yeah, I was like, man. I was in a meeting years ago. I never will forget this. It was in an elders meeting. We had quite a large elders board at that time. And one elder told me this, another elder told me that. I ended up with seven different opinions. <laughs> I walked out of the room. And I prayed and I came back in. I said, hey, guys, had a new thought. We're going to be schizophrenic. <laughs> if I listen to everything that everybody just said, this is crazy. And they just started laughing. I go, man, it's hard. And I said, man, leadership can be difficult sometimes, but it's a joy. Hey, this morning we finish C3. C3 stands for Colossians 3. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, would you open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3? This is our last message, last lesson. Five being total. This is the fifth one in Colossians. Today is a section that I just want to finish out. We've been talking about new creation and new life and new patterns and all those things. And today we look at an area, it's about the household and I got to thinking back when I started walking with Jesus in January 1978, when my whole faith walked, when I was converted, when I was born again. I thought about how different everything was. And I just it, it, as I walked with him, as I trust him, I just began to see how things are different. And then I remember this. I, I was the first one in my family to come to faith in Christ. And I can remember sharing Christ with so many people, but the ones I really wanted to share with best or my loved ones, or my family. But they knew me best. They knew all Pastor Keith, and it wasn't Pastor Keith, they knew all Keith's mistakes. You know what I'm saying? How many think your families know you really, really well? Yeah, and if you don't think so, you've deceived yourself. And uh, so in that process, the thought hit me, and it's hit me decade after decade. Families is where we need to model our faith, probably the best. And we might model it the worst there because I don't know why it is. Maybe it's because we feel safe and snug and secure and that they have to love us or they'll love us no matter what. But this thing where Apostle Paul talks to the people of Colossae, he begins to speak to them about the household and about relationships. And so today there might be something here that might just unnerve you just a little bit. I understand. But I come as a messenger of the good news of the gospel of grace I come to preach and teach the entire counsel of God. And it is, if it maybe rubs you a wrong way, just go to the Father and say, Father, would this be truth? Is this of you? And if it is, then shape my heart after you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He just brings conviction and change in new life. So this morning, we, we jump down to Colossians uh, chapter 3. We pick up in verse 18. So look there with me in the scriptures. Will you look there today? And as we find this particular passage, here's what the Apostle Paul just jumps in there immediately saying. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. And some people just turn me off right now and say, I don't even like that verse. I wish it wasn't in there. That S word, do you know some people call this the ugly S word of Scripture? But it is not an ugly word. It's a beautiful word. 
Yet Jesus Christ, our Prince of Peace, our Lord and Savior, He submitted to the Father, to His will. So it's heavenly, it's right, it's biblical to submit, but let's go on. But then, so if you get irritated with verse 18, then men, just look at verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Verse 20, so he, he does wives, he does husbands. Nah, he's not a respecter. He wants to pick on everybody. Now children, and they just left. Always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. And then he goes to fathers in verse 21. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Let's stop there. Have you ever aggravated your kids? Do not raise your hand. Oh, Josh, Josh, you're crushing me. I thought you were the perfect father. No, no, you're not. You know, I've aggravated my kids. And sometimes my sweet wife has had to say, don't aggravate them. Oh, is that what I was doing? Okay, look what he says, verse 22. Nasus, slaves, and we'll talk about maybe what that is more modern day. Obey your earthly masters and everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Verse 23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord would give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites here in this passage i tried to point it out to start he wants to draw us into faith and he says i want you to live out your faith to those closest to you those that you live with those that you are married to those that you have fathered and mothered those that you employ those that employ you in those earthly relationships i want you to please me and that's and that's what scripture is all about is about relationships our relationship with the father abba and our relationship with each other so we'll just jump into there because Paul knew that it was going to be hard for families to function biblically and orderly and respectfully. And uh, so, and, and, and the Roman society laid great stress on household life. So it wouldn't be that, okay, so for the house of faith, we're just going to give them a pass and it's just going to be like no rules and no authority. That's not true. Christian households had then and they have now the opportunity to bear witness to the effects of the gospel. So it should be that a Christian home is not a perfect home, but a Christian home is where the presence of Christ is seen, is felt, is embraced, and there's a spirit of grace on that home, and there's a spirit of forgiveness and restoration. And does that encourage anybody but me? I love that. that that's the Christian home. You're saying, well, no, I, I thought Christian homes were perfect. Well, I'll tell you what. Show me one perfect home. Even look in your Bibles and look at Adam and Eve and all the people from, were they perfect? Absolutely not. Even King David, the man after God's own heart, was a serious sinner that needed grace and was restored by the grace of Christ. So we see that there's a case here. But here he says, you know, in these relationships, you need to follow after the example of Jesus. And in 1 Peter, he talks about, I've given you an example, now follow after that example. Imitate the sacrificial love of the Savior. And as we come into Christmas season, as we jump into it heavy next weekend, but every weekend as we think about the presence of Christ, Lord, how can we live for you? How can we sacrifice, give you uh, thanksgiving? How can we give you offerings of praise? And that's one reason we do praise and worship, because it's just it's, it's, uh, heavenly offerings 
uh, focused. It's upward. It raises our hearts. It raises our souls. It raises our God. It elevates him. It gives him honor. It gives him glory. It gives him uh, majestic praise. So our faith, just write this on the side. Our faith always has to come home with us. Our faith is not something we leave at the altar of the church. Our faith is not something we have in our Sunday school room or our small group, although it needs to be evident. But our faith is that which we can see, we can express, and it, and it goes with us everywhere. We, it goes, here it is, it goes to the office in the morning. Some people have maybe been off this past week or a few extra days, and you're thinking about how great that is. And tomorrow, tomorrow, let me give, give you a great thought. Tomorrow, the alarm is going to go off early, and you're going to rise and shine and give God the glory. You're saying, no, I'm not. Not until I get that first cup of coffee. I don't give nobody. I'll get coffee. You know, this is what nobody believes. I don't even do caffeine in the mornings. I don't even drink coffee ever. You're like, huh? You got that kind of energy? It's the way God has wired me. But I will tell you, if I get a little extra sugar, I can get hyped up, okay? And I ain't had none this morning. Y'all need to be bringing it this month, okay? No, 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 don't, 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 don't bring it to me because it just messes my thought process up. And somebody said, we know, we know, we know. Okay, here we go. But look what he says. Hey, it's only a few, three simple points. So let's fill in the first one. Husbands and wives, love and what? Submission. Love and submission. And this is what, he, what we already read about. He, he just jumps right in there. And I already told you the S word is not popular. Sometimes people think it's a curse word. It is not. But submission will always occur when there is authority. And the kingdom of God has always and always will run on rails of authority, of the authority of the king, the king being Jesus. And so we have to submit to the authority, to the will of God, to the Father, to the Holy Spirit. So Lord, help us see what you have. Lord, we want to uh, know your authority. It's like the government, it has to submit. Soldiers submit to their officers. Football players submit to their coaches. I was wondering how I was going to work this in today. There was a little football game yesterday, and I'm just a little bit excited. But I did not wear my colors because I did not want to be that guy. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just don't want to be. But all my friends that wore theirs, glory to God. Okay, but, but it was a great game. It was fun. But here's the thing. But, but, but football teams, they submit to the leadership of their coaching staff. If they don't, it falls terribly. He speaks here about the home. The home has an order. And if we submit to it properly, biblically, then the home flows, the home works like it should. So submission has always been biblical. The son submitted to the father, but the son was equal to the father, and the Holy Spirit submits to them, and the Spirit is also equal with the father and the son. And we call it, the, it's a man-made word, theological term, because you won't find it in the Bible, but it's referred to, it's called the Trinity. The Trinity is the father, the son, and the Okay, we got to do this again. We didn't do very good. The, the Trinity is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, a triune God. The three become one. And we worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I hope this morning you're like, well, you know, I don't know much about the Holy Spirit. That's something I've been teaching on for the last 24 years here is that we want to know more of the person and the power and the presence and the authority and the joy of the holy spirit and of course our blessed redeemer and savior and lord the lord jesus christ we worship him and then god the father our creator 
our heavenly daddy oh my goodness and we worship them and we give them honor uh, there's a writer that i've referred to over the years he's a great german theologian his name's dietrich bonhoeffer he, he wrote a book i have it on my shelf it's called the cost of discipleship he was a real deep guy he had a lot to say and he said this and he talked about cheap grace and i want you to hear this because sometimes we especially in the bible belt we're not careful we cheapen the grace of jesus but listen to this he says cheap grace is the deadly enemy of our church we're fighting today for costly grace bonhoeffer wrote these words in the 1930s but do they not ring true in night into into almost in 19 it's not 19 and 20 what 2019 does it not ring as true then almost 100 years later he wrote these to say this if we call ourselves christian then we are calling ourselves to submission huh if we call ourselves a christ follower then we are calling ourselves to submission we submit to the will of god we submit to the will of the father so as we're doing i'm trying to just build a foundation for this and then we'll see how important it is on these earthly relationships we call marriage and different relationships so he says the enemy of the church is treat grace so he's saying there it's a lack of submission and anytime we're willing to submit to authority over us there's blessing there's there's peace i would even submit there's probably joy there in that submission's not here's what submission is not so he says here wives submit to your husbands and people are like, oh, i don't like that and i've had people doing weddings they're like man could you not use any of that s word in our wedding like well no, we're going to say what the bible says like you know it's okay it's good for you but see submission is not where you acquiesce uh to every request that the man has that, that's that's not biblical submission that's called abuse and all the women said no no don't doug i said all the women oh oh all, all, all the women said Come on, women, I'm trying to help y'all out here, you know, you know, you know, like, he said, you know, like, uh, you know, like, man, man says do this, like, okay, here it is, can you imagine Pastor Keith going, hey, woman, I need toast with jelly and a little orange juice right here, I don't think that's going to happen, that is just not very biblical and it's very dishonoring, I had a friend one time, one time because his wife killed him but no she didn't she wanted to he'd been married about a year and they had a good marriage best i knew and he said one day he's watching the football game and somebody got called up and he said hey uh almost said her name although you wouldn't know her but he, he called he called her name he said hey you think you could bring some tea out here I'm kind of thirsty and his buddy was sitting there like i cannot believe he just disrespected his wife like that like that was cold she said sure honey and she walked out there to his chair she had a big pitcher of tea she walked right over to him she pulled his pants out like they went she said hi is it walked off he never asked her in like in that kind of rude manner again it's not the way we treat the uh a woman we treat her with what respect and with honor and with blessing and and we bless her and so this uh this call of wives to submit is not a denial of equality it's really a recognition acceptance of that there's roles in the home in that but he's but he's going to pick here he's going to tell husbands husbands here's what we want you to do but it's submitting in authority to one another and then there's this whole thing as you continue to read the total totality of scripture you see mutual submission and and how things give and take and how beautiful they are under the plan of god and submission can never be demanded you don't go i demand you to submit to me but we love people into submission 
Jesus, it's not like the Father says, Son, you must submit to me. He just submitted himself willingly to the Father. And he's our example. I, I love that. Uh, the, the word in the Greek, I, I, you know, I like some of the Greek words, like some of the Hebrew, and some of the Greek is just, I mean, it's all rich. It's, it's the richest language I know of. It's the most exact language there is. But this, this word, this word is a word you might not forget. It, it is just a fun word to say. Hupo tiso. Hupo tiso. Isn't that fun? Doesn't that sound like an info commercial? Hupo tiso. 1995. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it is. But hupo tiso. It's in present tense. It conveys the idea that you are putting yourself under one. The, the, okay, we have a lot of military in our church. And a lot of them are traveling this weekend, but uh, you're here, brother. I'm so glad you're here, Jay. So as I look at Jay, Jay, you have commanding officers over you, and you have people under you. And in that, you put yourself under their rank. If a general walks in the room, guess what Jay does? Jay goes, hey, man, what's happening, dude? No, you stand up pretty immediately and you like honor him. Now, for the rest of us so much, if we're not in the military and somebody comes and, and they're high ranking or whatever, we might stand, we might not. It's not the same thing. But for somebody that's under his command, it is a big deal to submit. And here in this relationship, he's just talking about wives and husbands and submitting to them. But, he, but he's going to get here because he's going to move past this to set in place because there's more to it. Christ submits to the Father, as I told you. And let me just say this. This is not that women are a doormat. They never have been. They, they are not. They are under the lordship of Jesus just as we are. So he says in the home, there should be submission. Should, there should be a head there. The husband, he should take on his biblical proper role. But let, let's keep looking here because you're saying, okay, so you got this whole thing. And of course, I know the whole submit. It, it took off years ago in the whole feminist movement. And it got kind of... You know, things get extremists and, and they go here and there and it gets out of bounds. It can get really ugly. But I know this. Everyone has to submit. Everybody has to submit to something. And we submit to other people. It doesn't mean a woman just submits to a man like she just walks in the office and man goes, do that. No, man, she has a husband and her husband cares for her. He's tender. He's loving He's nurturing, he's leading, he's supportive, he serves her. And, and all the church said, I, I, you're saying, well, man, this is not so bad, man. Like, okay, okay, but, but look here. I mean, if you're saying, and, and submitting there, uh, just write this down. Submitting is a voluntary action. I choose to submit out of my honor for my Lord. See, that's, that's the beauty of it. Jesus chose to submit to the Father that he would leave heaven and come to earth to purchase salvation for us. Uh, here's the last thing, and I'll, and I'll move on. Uh, an illustration I just found, I like it. It's like this. You, you have a head coach, and then you have an assistant coach. You have a, a head, or like you have a head coach, you have a top assistant coach. You, you might say in football, they're like the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator, or they're, they're the assistant head coach. Well, in marriage, the way I think I believe, I know what I believe, what I see is like you have a husband's like a head coach of the home, but his top assistant is who? His top assistant head coach is his wife, and he is wise to go to her. What head coach just goes out there and doesn't listen to his assistant, to his head assistant coach? You work in a mutual manner that the home has honor and it flows, and God is given glory. So, Lord, we want to honor you. Submission 
remember this, submission is a choice. And it's a choice that you and I have to make. So we submit. We, we submit to God. We submit to one another. Um, Christ chose to submit and to give his life freely and shed his blood for sacrifice. The gospel. Wow. Uh, that, that one's still, I'm enamored 41 years later, almost 42, that Jesus loved me and loved you that much that he would leave heaven to die for me. It's called the incarnation. It's called Christmas. That's why I love Christmas so much. Oh, I, I love the food. I love the music. I love the festivities. I love the spirit. Christmas is awesome. But I love the Savior. <laughs> I love the Savior. Do you love the Savior? I love Jesus. I mean, he really, I know it's so cliche. We go, Jesus is the reason for the season, Pastor. Well, that, that's true, but stop and think about it. He really is the reason for every day. He's life. He's Lord. Okay, let's keep going here. So he, uh, he, he, he builds here for us. So then he says, All right, now husbands, verse 19, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Oh, my goodness. So I, I think when he says love them and don't treat them harshly, here would be, this would be a good southern Alabama play on the Greek. There's never an excuse to act like a jerk. And don't raise your hand, but have you ever been a jerk? Probably. I have. Have you ever had behavior that was unbecoming of a follower of Jesus in your home, in your relationship with your most precious gift? And he says, don't excuse yourself on that. That's, that. that's not what Jesus wants here. He wants you to make her the priority and love her and honor her and cherish her and bless her and encourage her and refresh her. And yes, it could, listen, listen, listen. It could be by her gifts. Treat her nicely. Do some other, I mean, like right now, Christmas is coming. Are, are any of you thinking about, hey, I'm married, and this year we're going to forgo gifts. I'm not going to buy her a gift because I love her so much. Probably not going to work out real good for you, okay? I just encourage you maybe buy a gift, okay? But more than that, honor them, support them, bless them, lead them, direct them. Is, is this helping anybody? Is, is this uncomfortable? Somebody's like, yeah. I think it's, it's uncomfortable for me because, man, I fall so short of this. I fall short of the glory of Christ. I, I need a Savior to, to rescue me, to, to pull me up, to elevate my game, to help me, to, to love, to respect, to honor, to treat them, to treat my wife, and for you to treat your wife if you're married in that way. And, and, and you know, and we know that women are, are experts in many areas, and I don't know if men are experts in areas or not. Are we men? Okay, maybe, okay. I'm sure I'm glad Doug talks to me. The rest of you kind of get quiet. Y'all just like, man, let Doug say it. Doug will say it. He don't care. He's, he's out there, man. You know, over the years, I've always had somebody that will talk to me in the service. I love it. I, I used to have this guy sit on the back, and he would like, he could get real verbal with me, like, man, bless him. You know? All right, so here we go. So uh, respect them, honor them, uh, and then for women to respect us. But listen to this. Men, men, let me give you a verse. Here it is. I've preached on this before, but I just wanted to go over to it. Write down 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Because he says here, husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. 1 Peter 3, 7. This is one of the most powerful principles and scriptures that I know of for relationship and marriage. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. It means to understand your wife. You, you look through the Greek, and, and what does it mean? It means to 
you know, because we tend to want to operate in areas of where we're competent or we think we're competent. But it says learn her, get to know her, uh, love her, listen to her, pay attention. Uh, does anybody in here, do you ever get in trouble not paying attention in life? Yeah, hello. Okay. And, and when you don't pay attention to your wife, then, you know, it's like, man, I'm, I'm not studying her. I'm not learning her. Remember when you're going through school and you're always having to learn stuff or just whenever you're learning, you, you, you pay attention, you focus, you give it energy. Well, that's, that's what Peter says here. In marriage, learn her. Pay attention to her. Study her. Man, as I was studying uh, this weekend some more, and, and last night before I went to bed, I just started marveling over this text about how I need to be a better learner because I say this all the time. A disciple of Jesus Christ is a learner. Write that down. A disciple of Jesus Christ is a learner. That's what it means to be a disciple. But to be married means to be a student of your wife and to love her. And, and, and I, I think it's probably going to take us a lifetime to, to learn them. I mean, I've been married a long time, and, I, man, I, I know I've got a lot to learn. And uh, So it's respect. It's an investment. It's an attitude. Lord, would you do that for all the men in here today that are married or all the men that want to be married? God, would you give us a spirit of respect and honor and investment? Show us how to invest in a significant manner that gives you honor. Lord, that, that's what I want. So it takes time. It takes attention. Uh, uh, love, love is a verb. It's, uh, it's present voice. L love is a command. He's not like, well, you know, if you think about loving your spouse, then love her. No, he goes, man, this, this is what you do. So here, he, he's talking to the people here. Husbands, love your wives, and, you know, but then move down with it. Look at verse 20. Now he goes, children, always obey your parents. Now, some of you are like, I sure am glad he got off of us. He's been on wives and husbands. Now we're going to talk about children. We, we, we talk about them, man, because I ain't, I ain't got a lot of skin in the game now. Like, I'm grown. You know, like, you know, me still honor your parents and you will have a long life. But it means I want to bless them. I, I want to obey your parents. How, how many of you love to quote this verse to your kids? Sure you do. Obey, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's a great verse. It's the word of God. Now, we take it out of context sometimes. But, and, and I think it would infer obey them immediately. Here it is. Let's say this afternoon I come over to your house. Don and I are over there. We, we come over and have lunch with you. And let's say uh, we go outside and your kids are playing. And let's say you live near kind of a busy street and your kid steps out in the road. Kids ever step out in the road without looking? All the time. And they step out in the road. Do you go, Johnny, now get out of the street. Yeah, whatever. And he's out there in the street. What, what does mama do? What does mama bear do? What does daddy do? Get, get out of the street, get out of now. Like, you're going to get hit by a car. I mean, you don't, you like, obey me immediately because there will be consequences. And a lot of times consequences don't come as immediate as, as that. But if you get out in the road where there's cars, you could get hurt. I mean, you're like, how long did it take you to come up with that? The, the bottom line is you, you want to obey immediately. The Lord wants us to obey him. And we want our kids. How many of you love it when your kids obey you? Isn't that great? You're like, man, obedient children. Obedient. Man, it overflows. How many of you love your kids? You love them, but how many of you like your kids when they don't obey you? Like, make me. I don't want to do that. Why? You know, my, our, my youngest grandson. Why, why you do that, Pop? Pop, why? He always asks me, why? 
I, I bet he asks why more than he does snack, and he likes to say snack too. But you know, always ask me like, why, why? Because he, because he's inquisitive. He, he wants to learn. He wants to know. But then you, you want them to obey you. You know, like when my children, when Don and I, when our children became adults, they, they came out from under our authority. And it wasn't that they, they still are to honor us, but it wasn't to obey us and that we tell them how to live their life. They're grown. They have the tools. God created them. God gave both of them husbands. And, and the two shall become one. They shall leave, cleave, and become one. It's the, the honor of God. It's, it's a new family. So they are to honor one another. It's not to, hey, check in with mom or dad and let us tell you how to do it. It's, it's for that. So here it is, to hear, to come under I think you see here, but disobedient children, don't they always cause strife? <laughs> yeah, and they cause strife to others, and they could cause injury to others because they're, they're not listening. So we just pray for a spirit of obedience. And so look, look there, so children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Verse 21, fathers, do not aggravate your children. Y'all talk to Josh if you want to know more about that, okay? Or they, I'm kidding, Josh, or they will become discouraged. It's easy to break the spirit of a little one. And I know nobody in here would ever want to be uh, a source of uh, aggravation or, or to hurt them. In, in the Living Bible, an old paraphrase, but I like the way he takes this verse. Young man, obey your father and your mother. Tie the instructions around your finger so you won't forget. Take to heart all their advice. Every day and all night long, their counsel will lead you and save you from harm when you wake up in the morning. Let their instructions guide you into the new day. For their advice is a beam of light directed into a dark corners of your mind to warn you of danger and to give you a good life. Lord, help us to raise kids that are a blessing and pleasing to you. Help us to bless you, Lord, with them. So, Kids have been created for a lot of reasons, but kids were meant to always obey for this is right. And the church said, amen. Doesn't mean that they're not going to fall short. They're going to need the grace of Jesus like we need it because we blow it. I mean, sometimes we have to get our kids and say, man, dad, man, I was a bad example. I was a poor witness. I, I sinned. I, I was wrong. Would you forgive me? Anybody ever done that with your kids? It's humbling. Isn't it? You go to your kid and go, I was wrong. Dad, Dad did the wrong thing. I'm sorry. You know, like you want to teach your kids, make the right choice, do the right thing. That's the wise thing to do. How does it feel when you do the wrong thing? Man, you feel shame, put your head down. Like, man, you know, nobody likes me. Your dog won't even talk to you. Man, this is bad. But then you can go and you can confess and the Lord can restore and he can forgive you. And, and, and you know what I've learned about kids? Kids are so resilient and they forgive so quickly. I, I think about when the girls were little and I'd make a mistake, and I could go to them, and man, they wouldn't go, hey, Dad, you know, we're thinking about it. We're, we're thinking about letting you check out of our family. We're thinking we can get out of this. We're maybe getting a new one. They didn't do that. Like, Dad, we love you. Dad, we forgive you. Wow. Thank you, Lord. So look at this. So husbands, children. Now look at verse 22. Now th this looks a little weird, little weird in our context because we don't have slaves running around. But he says, slaves obey. Let, let me just give you the outline. Husbands and wives, love and submission. This, the middle one I've been talking about, parents and the children, encouragement and obedience. I, I hammered obedience. Now, the third one. Masters and servants, honesty and devotion. And when he talks here about this whole thing with, uh, with parents or, or with slaves, it would be like modern day, it would be like bosses, employers, and employees. And how do we have relationship? And how do we do it? And do we do it right? Uh, the modern day word for bondservant 
or doulos or servant would be employee and and for us we're employees unless you have your own company and then you're an employer you're an employee and how many of you enjoy being an employee okay tell you what come in here next week and not have a job and how many of you would enjoy being an employee oh man i wouldn't be an employee i mean okay do you work in perfect places is your office does your realm of where you work is it perfect huh no first of all you showed up okay and this, I'm sorry. And then second of all, it's like, man, it's not perfect, but, it, but it's a nice, and, and, and a lot of times, like sometimes you read these articles about the best companies to work in and all that. Like, man, I'd like to move to that place because like, man, they said that's a top company to work in. They have bonuses and all these big leaves and vacations and trips and you win stuff. Uh, I remember I had a friend that worked for Dave Ramsey, you know, the big financial guy. And they said, it's cool working for Dave Ramsey. Like they said, he pays well and he pays bonuses. And they said his Christmas parties are like off the chart. And like every year, like they give these really awesome gifts to the employees. How many would like to work at a company like that? Like, man, this year at Christmas, we're going to give you like a big screen TV. Everybody in the company, everybody gets a big screen TV just because you show up at work. Like, what company is that? I want to go over there. Or what if your company says, you know what, we're buying all new cars for everybody this next year. Everybody that worked here, if they worked all year, even you, Doug, you just got here the Monday of Thanksgiving. Doug, you get a new car too. Doug, you go, I like that, you know. You know listen to this. i got to pick on Doug. Doug's so funny. Doug starts a new job last Monday. Y'all know what last week was? Thanksgiving. He worked Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and had two days off. That is a smart man, that Doug, you know. So wouldn't it be cool if Doug like, hey, everybody here got a new car. And as long as you were here before December 31st, everybody in the company gets a new car. And there would be somebody going, I don't think it's fair. Doug got a car and he just got here. And I'd go, almost said another word you just need to hush up you just be glad you got yours right i think i read a parable about that one day wait a minute they got paid more than me you agreed to work for this and it's my company hello uh, anyway maybe that spoke truth to somebody i don't know if anybody's gonna work for a company that gives away cars if you do call me we'd all like to come over there and work for a month okay so uh here here's this whole thing about employers and employees but look move, move there he says serve them uh this is their, their eyes are on you, and, and, and when they are, uh, you work then. But when they take their eyes off of you. So I read this incredible story, and I think what I'm going to do, and I'm going to close with this because I want you to get to Body Life 2.0. Listen to this. There was a missionary in Africa, and he was responsible for getting nationals in that country together to do certain jobs. And he discovered that when he left or went to town to get supplies or something, the employees were extremely lazy, and they quit working. They just did their own thing. So he was like, man, and the productivity was really down. So he, he said, you know, they, basically he found out they were stopping work until somebody said, hey, the boss is coming, and then they'd start working again. Some of you are like, hey, that's what I do at work every week. Well, you need to change that. But it was, it, I heard, this is the coolest part. It said, but there was this man, this man had a glass eye. And he said one day it was irritating him so bad that he took his glass eye out and he put it on a stump right in the middle of all the people. And he went to market. And the story was that everybody in the village worked their tails off because they thought he was watching them. And he wasn't even there. It was just his glass eye. But then there was one employee. If he'd have used this ingenuity in his work, they might have made profit. But you know what he did? He kept looking at that glass eye. He took his hat off his head, and he went over and he put his hat over the glass eye. And you know what they said? In that village, everybody quit working because there wasn't an eye on them. Oh, let me tell you something. The eye from heaven 
is on us every day when we do our work. And we don't work for man. We work for the... Come on. We don't work for man. We work for the... We work for the Lord. Hey, I hope that God somehow will just take this brief teaching just to encourage you in your journey. And let me say this right now. Please invite people to attend and come with us this season. This is going to be a great season of celebrating the love of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful for this morning, for the sincerity, the devotion of Jesus to us. Lord, help us to have proper, biblical, fitting, holy relationships with our spouse, with our kids, with one another, with our employer, with employees. Honor the name of Jesus in this place. God, we love you. It's in Christ's name I ask this prayer. Amen.